This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. Discover Zayo's expansive network maps on their website and see where their network can take you. With low latency, reliable 400 gig and 800 gig enabled routes, it's the modern network solution you've been searching for. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today I have a special guest. His name is Barry Shirky and he is the CIO of a company called NTT Data. Now you might've seen their logos at different airports. Maybe you've watched IndyCar and you could see NTT on one of the cars. And you might be thinking to yourself, I have no idea what that company does, but there's over 25,000 people that work there. And we're about to find out what they do and what Barry does as the CIO of a company of that size. Barry, let's go. Let's start it off. What is NTT Data? What do you guys do? <laughs> Great question. You know, um, NTT Data is a company of 190,000 professionals. <laughs> and uh, NTT Americas, which I'm the CIO, has over 50,000 professionals in 40 countries. But IT... NTT data globally, uh, 190,000 people in over 80 countries and had 30 billion in revenue. So just a big company. And, and like you said, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, last Sunday, I went from the British Open watching NTT to IndyCar, uh, IndyCar racing to we're in baseball. You know, it just, uh, it's great to see the NTT logo around there. We're an IT firm where we provide a full stack of IT services. So from infrastructure, cloud computing to applications, development, modernization. So uh, we really like to, to describe ourselves as a full stack employee. We're on, uh, we're number six on the global IT provider. Uh, and we, from a brand perspective, we moved up from uh, to number six, also on a, a brand provider. So we're really getting our name out there. I'm really excited about being on the call today. My first pad podcast, as we talked about. So uh, it's just great being here with you today, Albert. Hey, listen, we're pumped to have you. So th that's crazy. The numbers you said, because we had read, so we had read some different numbers, but I always right. go off of like, let's, let's start with the LinkedIn number. Cause that's always fun to show yeah. how I guess inaccurate LinkedIn is because <laughs> LinkedIn says there's only 25,000. <laughs> <laughs> or there's, excuse me, 25,000 or so people that identify themselves as working at NTT. So this company is huge. Now it's a global company and you guys work and you mentioned the digital transformation, different companies. Let's start with some stories because this gives, gives us an idea or in our audience an idea of what exactly kind of projects you work on. So you mentioned the British Open. I saw an article, we read an article about how NTT data is going to provide some of the data tracking and the uh, information that was going to help build an immersive experience for people. Give us an idea. What was the project? What was the mission? What was the outcome of that project? Yeah, you know, uh, we have a, a really cool NTT smart solutions, we call it. And it's a, it's a solution that we've used all across the world, not only at the British Open, but you might have heard about our smart city with city of Las, uh, Las Vegas, where we mm -hmm. provide IOT type solutions. And then we're um, at the Washington uh, baseball team providing solutions there. You know, whether is it a good time to go eat? 
Uh, are we managing the gates for people coming in? You know, we're, we're really doing a great job at the British Open providing scoring, tracking, uh, the same type of uh, IoT type knowledge that you expect and analytics that you would expect out of a really cool smart platform uh, providing day-to-day -day analytics. And then IndyCar Racing takes it up a notch, the sensors within the cars, sensors within the suits. And then if you get a chance, uh, Albert, I would encourage you to take a look at our app uh, for IndyCar. Uh, even within the app, you can see real-time racing with inside the car it's like you're visually inside the car during the app and then all the analytics of where you're at in the car and then where you're at on the track. Uh, the analytics are just being sent to the act, app and it's just amazing to watch the race from the app. I was actually, uh, in, uh, I live in uh, Dallas, but we went to the Dallas, uh, Dallas racetrack and watched the IndyCar and I, I found myself watching the app just as much as the race because the mm. real-time analytics come at you that fast. So really, really cool with the, the smart platform that we have and where we're starting to implement those smart technologies. Give us an idea how these projects start. So let's say for IndyCar, they, they're sitting there, they have a, they have, they've been throwing races or holding race events for you know decades. That They're experts at that. So they come to you and your team and they say, we want to make the audience feel as though they're like the driver and they're seeing all the stats of what's going on. Give us an idea of how these projects kick off. Well, but I mean, you've been a you know, previous CIO. You, you know how how important it is to gather the requirements and to work with those those type of clients one on one. One of the things that we well we have all around the world are innovation based type centers, and I would I would offer to you uh, just even as a, a a guest to come out and visit us here in uh, Plano, Texas, at our innovation center, because it's you you immerse yourself in gathering the requirements, the needs. And the things that either uh, Penske or McLaren or a racing team is looking for, or what IndyCar is wait, looking for as a sponsor, because we sponsor IndyCar racing. So what are you looking to give the race fans as far as not only a CX an experience, but an employee EX type of experience that they're going to walk through? And our innovation centers lets them come in, gather the requirements that you need to make sure that from an end-to-end -end experience, you're going to come out of there whether it's with designing an app or um, an employee experience that's it's going to fit your needs and get it right the first time. Because, you know, you know this just as well as anyone, garbage in and garbage out. So no it's doubt. so important to get those requirements right, right from the beginning. So that's, that's what it's about is it's just working with them one-on-one. -on -one. And the innovation center that we have, we have like four or five of them around the world but would love to host you and just show you what that's about and how you can brainstorm with the latest technologies uh, in this center gets you, gets you really focused and thinking outside the box. So I think this is where this is really fun because I think there's probably a lot of engineers or developers that listen to our show that think to themselves, Hey, I just want to work on really cool projects. I have no <laughs> idea what I want to work on. Um, NTT is the kind of company that gets pitched or, in a lot of discussions of like just wildly creative and different ideas, how does a typical engagement start? So like, let's say I'm a company, I'm going to name a company that I like quite a bit, but they <laughs> don't have like good 
integrations for applications. So you can see I'm wearing a Garmin smartwatch to track. <laughs> I'm wearing it for the first time ever. I'm wearing it for the first time ever for 24 hours because I've actually never, I hate watches. I hate them, <laughs> but I do wear, I only own it because I want to listen to music while running um, yeah. and I don't want to carry a phone. So that's the only reason why I have one. I've never worn it for more than 24 hours, but I'm doing it for the first time to collect my sleep data, my resting data. Okay. So I'm doing that. But one of the, one of the companies I like to work with is um, or I, their equipment I like is concept too. They make ski machines. They make uh, indoor cycle machines. They make, yeah, yeah. There you go. You know, concept too, but they have no integrations with any of the smartphone companies. None. Okay. So let's imagine, and, and let's do this hypothetical because I want them to do this. Uh, so let's imagine concept. <laughs> let's imagine concept too, which makes machines. They're not making to the technology. They come to you and they say, Hey, listen, I want to create, a way to send all this data and capture all the sensor data from smartwatches. And we want to build a cool app at the, when they start, when they come to you, they probably, they might not even be able to describe what they want either, but they they say, Hey, that's our job. That's what I would tell you, Albert is, you know, their job is to focus on the, the, they make great machines, by the way. I I love my rower that they make. And that's what they're supposed to do. My job as an IT integrator is to draw out and and tell them from their solutions that this is how we're going to integrate it into an app or integrate it to other apps or or different IoT devices and and be impartial to because I wear an Apple watch, right? right? So it should be independent of what other device that you're going to have or want to use. And that's what we get when we bring in clients into our innovation center that says, okay, you know, you've got electronic stickies, you've got all the different ways that um, our team is going to drive the knowledge and experience out of our heads into their heads or vice versa to sit down, collaborate and bring those types of experience based on our own experiences and doing this before, you know, together up on a, you know, a virtual whiteboard and drive that experience home uh, so they don't have to worry about it, right? They, they shouldn't have to worry about technology. That's our responsibility. So drive out kind of at a high level strategically because it's all about the business, strategically where they want to go, what they're thinking, and then enabling a solution of what they want to be when they grow up technology-wise. And that's where that's where we're really good at. That's what we're really good at is trying to, uh, not trying to, but designing those technology solutions for them to make it easy for them right? You go off and build the machines. We'll, we'll enable your technology to get you. So the, this is, brings me to my next question, which is, so there's, of course, there's the software component layer where NTT can help program all the stuff, but how do you help, how do you help your clients when it comes to the hardware side of things too? Because sensor, in order to capture a lot of data, of course, you need a lot of sensors. They might not be equipped with all the sensors. You mentioned at the British Open how you were capturing all the, the ball flight data. You were t- yeah. capturing audience data, gate data. Well, in order to do that, you need a sensor of some some sort, like whether it's yeah. camera-based or it's chip-based. I don't know. There's got to be some device that captures that information. How do you go about these discussions and do, do I guess, because I know, I know in dealing with clients, a lot of them can be aspirational but they can't quite conceptualize what the budget is. I know that for a fact. (laughs) And they'll throw out a number. Well, that never happens. (laughs) Yeah, and they'll throw out a number and you'll say, wait a second, you literally need a sensor like every, you know, six inches to capture this. I know your golf course isn't aligned with this or whatever the example may be. Give us an idea of, 
Are the companies today coming forward knowing that their technology transformation requires probably a hardware transformation too? Or are they still thinking it's software only? You know, it's funny because I've had, you know, I've been in the IT business for over 35 years. So it, it kind of depends on the client because some cl- clients come infrastructure only and forget about the apps. So some clients come with the software only, forget about it. It depends how kind of how they were raised. So, you know, it's interesting how, how you say that because I, I, ba- I came out of the old General Motors with the EDS type environment and they were kind of infrastructure focused and then yeah. later went to airlines, which were all software and product focused. So I've kind of had a varied experience as, I, as I've grown up, so to speak. But so it kind of, it, it depends, right? But back to your original, sorry, I digress there, but uh, it's okay. really kind of, you get them all, right? But so when you, um, when NTT brings you into that thing, uh, into the office, there's, again, we, NTT data is part of a company called NTT, which is over, uh, which is a Japanese-based company based out of Japan. So when you think of NTT and over 300,000 employees, it's a NTT is the AT&T, I would say, of Asia Pacific. It's a gotcha. huge tele, telecom provider, right? So um, and they do unbelievable amount of research and development, just a huge telco provider. So we have a lot of access back to telecommunications. We have really good go-to-market partners around, you know, IoT devices and, and a lot of people that want to partner with us because of the brand, because of the way we go to market. But part of that innovation center and setting that client down is designing a total solution. So you have to get them into that room and say, you know, here, here's the t- design solution from start to f- finish, which includes the hardware, right? You, here's the, this is how everything works from start to finish, which includes your IOT devices, where they're located, who we're going to partner with, and then uh, how we're going to go to market with this together. And it also includes a business case. Because so back to your point, you can't, you can't forget uh, why you're doing this, right? It has to be something in, in it for concept two that says, this is why I want to go digital and transform my business and integrate with technology, right? It can't, you can't do it to lose, right? And there's got to be a bigger reason to want to do it. It's always got to be a business case. I would imagine the hardware side of things is always more expensive. Um, the software side programming is hours of expertise, right? And then, of course, if you're talking about uh, applying sensor technology to all the units or physical units and, and so on, you're talking about a hard cost on a per unit basis that it could be, you know, it's it, it scales, but it's it's just expensive. When you're thinking about when you're thinking about when customers sit down and think about think about ideas projects, transformations, what typically causes the biggest friction points? Is it the infrastructure hardware components that are going to be necessary to convert this? Is it like lack of access to different applications? What becomes the constraint? Because I know people's imaginations are all over the place, but like, wh- wh- where do you see the constraints come in? Because it feels like, it feels like we're getting to the point where software-based constraints don't seem to be in existence. Like people seemingly can code just about anything. It's more about like how strong is your data repository in your hardware? Yeah, that might be a podcast for a future time because it does seem, you know, that everybody's coding these days, right? Yeah, it's it seems like it's not a code issue. It's about it's it's more of a hardware issue. Like you don't have enough processing power to do what you say you want to do. Well, yeah, I'd say it's a yeah, the code Code is getting easier, especially with low code, no code. And then, you know, maybe AI will just write my code in the future. <laughs> I have a theory that you should, it's kind of like a, 
like a carnival ride. You know, you have to be uh, you have to be a programmer at this level to ride this or use AI or something like that in the future. But I think that's part of the story that you work with the client on because I think integration is an issue and, and all of those pieces playing together is what architects are the way of the future, solution designers. And how mm-hmm. does that picture all fit together? Because you do have the software developers and uh, they are still Picassos and still have to make it happen. They just can make it happen faster. But solution architects and um, bringing an infrastructure architect, a solution architect in their technologies, and they, they are the people that really make everything work. Um, yeah. Yes, the infrastructure is a little tougher, gets a little more expensive, but uh, IoT devices are also getting, their price points are coming down. But the architects that bring it all together, they're the real masterpieces of how it all happens. The, the coordination effort and how that all happens, they're worth their weight in gold as they come up. Those are the tougher people to find in my experience that are able to manage client requirements, price points, and then you know developers and making that magic happen in the future. Those are the people that you bring from assignment to assignment. Albert, I mean, you, you had people that probably, you just, you know, and trust, right. That you bring from yeah. job to job or project to project. Um, you know, uh, and those are the people I think that you really can count on for these type of programs and projects. And uh, that's, you know, when you start building that competency that it all for us started with the city of, you know, city of Las Vegas and building out our initial solution around IoT and devices. And then it just, once you start getting that expertise and that competency in that area, you just you just continue to build on it and you got the expertise and you grow. Yeah, when I describe it to people who are maybe unfamiliar with this process of developing a solution using some of the existing technologies in place, I like to use the analogy of Legos in imagining <laughs> you've already built a Lego structure and someone yep. says, I want a brand new structure. It's like, well, every every piece that you can keep on the existing structure is going to drop the cost. Yes. And so exactly that, right. the answer cannot be every single time, rip it down and read start. Like <laughs> nope. that can't be the answer. Nope, <laughs> we'll nope. never get anywhere. <laughs> You're a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> That's, that I wouldn't say answer. that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Listen, I can describe it, but I can't do it. See, you could actually do it. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's that's becoming what I feel like is the actual constraint. Like the 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 right now, I think the digital world has gotten uh, not maybe. I'm sure there's going to be more to be unlocked, but it feels like the digital world's already gotten to the point where it's like it's just about anything's possible. The actual limitations are actually physical now. There's we have actual physical limitations that prevent uh, certain ideas from coming to life. I don't know if you if you agree with that statement. No, or, no, I or, do. I do, too. Yeah, I, I still think things boil down to three things, people, technology and processes. And I, mm-hmm. I still think that if you invest in people, the other the other two come pretty damn easy. But you're right around the physical stuff, uh, getting a little bit harder to integrate and bring it all together. How about, you know, this show is sponsored by um, sponsored by our client, Zayo. And we we always have to think to ourselves one of the things I always think about is like network speed, because one of the, one of the things that I'm very much looking forward to in innovation in the future is uh, autonomous driving. I think it's been, people have been talking about it forever. They want to talk about it. They want to know when is autonomous driving coming. And I always think to myself, there's a massive problem with autonomous driving, which is actually network latency because the compute has to either be in the vehicle and process data, but which it wouldn't benefit from all the data around it, or it's got to be processed at the cloud, which means it needs to be hauled away and processed in a speed and fashion so fast 
that it's indiscernible to human reaction. Mm. And, and I always think to my, and then in order to do that, you would have to blanket the country in sensors and network to, to do this. Um, which then I turn around and think to myself, this is not possible. Do you ever see a place where wireless technology is going to get so like, is that the, is that, is that the barrier? Yeah. What would you think is the barrier to like, why haven't we seen autonomous vehicles everywhere yet? I know it's still in process, but what technological barriers are in place and which technological barriers do you think are going to fall maybe in the next five years? I know our company, NTT out of Japan is now going yeah. towards 6G and uh, they are, um, <laughs> which keep going, baby, faster, faster, faster. But, but I think that's, that's the answer. I, 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 I think um, people uh, and technologists are just amazing. Uh, the research development around that, I, I do think they figure out the this, this 6G and it just continues to progress around that. You know, uh, I, I love flying drones. I don't know if you fly drones, but. I've benefited from flying drone before. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, that's my just like, get those wireless networks up there so I don't have to depend on my, <laughs> you know, on my controller anymore and having that big, you know, front thing help me get distance out of it. You know, I want it to fly off a network, right? So I can go anywhere I want. But I do think uh, the technology is going to work for that, those autonomous cars and, and those type of things. But it's not there yet, but it, it's coming. It's coming. And, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to, uh, you had a really good po- uh, podcast with, his name was just, Justin Mesher from uh, E+. Oh, yeah. yeah. E+. Plus, and, yeah. And I thought you guys had a really good dialogue around the resiliency and speed and those type of things. So I, I thought all his points that you, the two of you were making were re- really collaborative about the resilience in the network. So I would just fall back on what you guys were talking there. Hey there, IT Visionaries listeners. It's time to supercharge your network with Zeo, the North American leader in modern network infrastructure. Zeo connects critical data centers across the United States, Canada, and Europe with high-capacity metro fiber and extensive long-haul dark fiber. Trusted by the world's most innovative companies, Zeo embodies what's next in networking. Discover Zeo's expansive network maps on their website and see where their network can take you. With low-latency, reliable 400G and 800G-enabled routes, it's the modern network solution you've been searching for. Visit Zayo's website today to unlock the power of your network and tap into the technologies of tomorrow. Go to zayo.com slash network right now. I think to myself, like the, the physical limitation is going to get broken down by the physical improvements in the actual wireless um, receivers and route, like I guess the equivalent of a router or receiver for anyone listening in that the radius of signal is going to keep getting wider. And that's what people are going to keep figuring out. And as the radius gets wider, it'll have less need for more towers. And that's how that I think that's probably going to help blanket blanket the country in Wi-Fi. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's that I think that's what's going to happen. By the way, I, cuz I I I talked with another guest um about driving through Wyoming and Wyoming's one of the least populated states in America. I think it's the, it might be the least. And there are plenty of dead spots in Wyoming, plenty, no <laughs> signal whatsoever. So if you had an autonomous vehicle and you were driving Wyoming, I think it would just stop. I don't know, <laughs> unless it had some compute in the car. 
So Barry, give us an idea. You know, you've, we've talked a little bit about the consumer side applications. Surely there's a lot of business to business applications, people trying to improve their own internal processes. What are, what are companies coming forward right now? Because of course they want to digitally transform, but what problems are they now trying to solve with technology that maybe they weren't considering before, or maybe they were relying on antiquated technology and only now are they saying, okay, we want to upgrade this process. We want to change the way we do things. Give us some sectors or industries you're seeing coming, you know, knocking on NTT door and saying, hey, we want to change this. Jeez, you know, um, I'm in a couple like a Dallas CIO networks and a couple global networks with CIOs. And, you know, with everything going on, every one of them is uh, under a lot of, most of them are all under cost pressures. So it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter what industry you're in. They, they are constantly looking for automation to, you know, either um, help their employees from an employee experience. So they're more productive, like, um, you know, with the 50,000 employees I have, if I can make them more productive there, that means they're working on clientable work, more billable hours, that type of stuff. Or, you know, if I can automate things inside, I can, you know, make, uh, I can reduce manpower, those type of things. So everybody's trying to look for the next big automation. You know, they, we've kind of went through RPAs, you know, robo- robot products, automation, all those kinds of things and ma- maximize it. So everybody's looking for the next big automation. So for at least me, or as I, we talked to other CIOs, you know, I look at just every morning, I look at my ticket count that comes in. So we have 26,000 <laughs> tickets a month, you know, that are generated. So I okay. say, oh, what, you know, what's the, what's the big ticket that's this month, right? That I say, okay, you know, you get rid of the easy ones, right? Here's password reset. Okay, get rid of that one or, you know, but so you just go down your list of things that you say, I can automate that, 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 that. So the employee experience gets better and I don't have to take care of things. So, you know, you're constantly working or pushing things to get to either a zero service desk or I'm pushing things more to my chat box so people don't even have to go to the service desk. And as my chat box gets more, gets more intelligent, and I'm, I can't wait to kind of bring more of the generative AI to the chat box so it gets friendlier and the answers get better. Because <laughs> uh, then, you know, then I then I really do get to a zero-sum game out of my service desk. But I would say uh, everybody's just looking for more automation to create uh, either more productivity and better employee experience or cost savings. And everybody's just kind of looking for the next big one around that. I would love to hear what your dream state is. So listen, listen, if you're out there working on automation, building products to support CIOs that oversee big companies, Barry says, this is his problem. If you can solve this, this is going to be great. What will give us a dream product that you're like, man, if I had this, this would be fantastic. Well, I'll tell you the dream one that I'm looking for right now is I want an AI to check on the AI. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to I want to govern its AI so that it either checks the code that was written to to find out if there's any hidden code, or I want AI to like professors have that you know checks to see if it was written by AI. But I'm I'm looking for a governance AI. So if you can create that one for me, so that I can you know start opening up more of the gates, the floodgates around AI, that would be pretty cool. So this is the uh, this is the information loop that I've discussed with a couple different AI centric uh, developers as well as some CIOs <laughs> that want to leverage AI. I'm going to ask you now because you just you just mentioned that. How does AI know what information it's been fed is accurate? 
That is a great question. So, because I saw, I, but by the way, I, I saw before you begin, because I, I saw an article about how AI, like ChatGPT4, is already not as good at answering math questions as it was before. Because when you know, if I enough people learns, say, right? two, <laughs> yeah, enough people say two plus two is five, how does it know it's these people are wrong? It doesn't know. It's like, oh, okay, okay, two plus two is five. Okay, we're changing the we're changing the parameters of math. Yeah, let's go. It's being fed wrong information because that because your governance AI has to know the difference between accurate and inaccurate. You're absolutely right. But I, I'm kind of <laughs> looking for if I think if I could design it, I would like checkpoints to make like false calls back to somewhere or, you know, misleading, you know, type things that it wasn't designed for the software. So if if I'm designing an accounts payable system, wh- why are you calling back to Russia? Right. Or, uh-huh. you know, just just some quick hits or something like that. But you're, you're absolutely right. It could be relearned to do things that are wrong, but it's just, <laughs> it is a crazy world out there because it can, it could be used for so many good things, but so few people could use it for evil. It, it wrecks it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it always is. Right. Yeah. So is. if you're out there, Barry has a compliance problem. He knows that AI <laughs> is NTT knows that AI is going to be part of the work environment uh, more so than ever. And so he needs a tool that can check what people are doing with AI is accurate. It's funny you say that because I said something about this too. I was like, listen, all these companies are creating generative AI. I said the next big real, the big winners are going to be, for example, AI based copy for, copyright infringement. Um, based tools. Yeah, well, that's already in the news, right? Yeah, things that can check code, things that can validate information, things that can trust and verify because uh, with generative AI, like, you know, every every courthouse, every government is going to want a tool that can be like, is this evidence even, like, let's just use court. They're going to be like, is this evidence even real? It's going to be the next massive platform if someone can figure it out. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, you can code 30 or 40% faster, but and now it's still going to take a human to go back and check the 30 or 40% faster. So does it all equal? I don't know. And that's the question. You need somebody to go just as fast as the AI is coding. Specifically AI, because that has been in all the news and its adoption rate is seemingly higher than anything we've, uh, faster, excuse me, than more rapid than anything we've ever seen. Uh, you know, you've seen the numbers of how fast they got to um, a million installs, hundred million installs at open AI. This is becoming... <laughs> This is this is growing faster than anything. Like this is not, you know, when we thought social media was a whirlwind, everyone had Facebook. Like this is different. Like this is at a whole new level of adoption. What do you think that means for an industry like yours? Because you are constantly going to be asked and challenged. You mentioned people are looking for automation. People are looking to simplify jobs. People right. are under costing pressure. You yourself have to use. You know, you're. It's going to be part of your workforce. You've already identified that. When you look at the new companies that are coming forward. What do you think needs to be in place to evaluate these AI technologies, whether they should be integrated into your process, whether they should be have a seat at the table for the solution set that you're offering to clients? How do you think about going forward, evaluating these things since you don't have a compliance tool? Not yet. No, I, I think, um, and that's what we're working on right now. We, we've got pilot groups, uh, you know, governing boards, you know, different types of, I'll say, manual setups and guardrails that we have so that we can still play in the game and and be safe on it. Because the last thing you want is like you talked about, there's copyright things, there's there's other different things that you have to worry about that it'll bring back in, right? Then has it learned the wrong behavior, those type of things. So we have, I'll say for particular things that we're trying to do, 
our own type of governance and guardrails that we've used in a limited fashion to try to try to keep pace with what we need to do to stay up with our, you know, help our clients and then stay up with the technology, right? We have to do that or we'll get passed. You know, the key is how do you, how do you let it loose for everybody? And we, you know, nobody can do that right now, but you got to stay up on the technology in, in the places that you need to stay competitive. Given the amount of options that keep, you know, there's more options than ever all the time, whether it's in network, whether it's in AI, whether it's database, there's constantly new technologies emerging. How do you balance your team when it comes to, you know, of course, delivering for customer? Because because I, I would I want to break your primary roles in like some small buckets. I know it's not everything, but give us an idea of how you think about structuring your team. Because of course you need time to think about, develop the creative energy to develop, architect a solution that's going to say, this is going to fit the customer. Then you have the actual execution, which is going to rely on your expertise and knowledge of what you already know. But then there's a third bucket, which is like, but I also have to learn new things, right? Mm -hmm. How do you think about, like, how do you want your team to think about these three buckets? Do you have people dedicated in each bucket? Do you say everyone needs to do all three? Give me an idea. How much time is spent Idea, like idea, ideas and creativity, actual ops execution, and then learning and discovery in that third bucket. Yeah, I mean, one of our values at NTT Data is uh, client first, right? So you have to you have to keep your client client first. But you know, uh, I remember Ross Perot back at uh, EDS used to say it was a, a three legged stool, right? So you had <laughs> clients, business, and people, and if one of the legs ever got off balance you know, the, the stool would fall, but you know, right. uh, you always have client first because, you know, uh, if you don't have a client, you're not going to have a business, you're not going to have a job. So we try to focus on being creative and innovative for our clients and making sure that they're taken care of. Um, if you don't keep your operations up and running and supportive and, and service to your, um, to your clients and your people and making that employee experience just as important to the client as the client experience, you're going to lose your business because you're not keeping that those SLAs up. But as I talked about earlier, you know, if I really do believe uh, if you invest in your people, if you keep your people um, happy, other things, your client and your uh, operations seem to seem to work. So I, I really do if, believe if you invest in your people for us, we, we have a uh, I'll set aside. Uh, we started, I think, 6.30 or 7 in the morning, I have a large presence in India as part of my staff. Mm-hmm. We set aside a, a training day once a month. And uh, we just, I sit on a call for four hours and we talk about, you know, the, they can either join me and be a part of them, tell, they'll tell me what they're training on, whether it's a new web development or if it's cloud or if it's just, they got some corporate training they have to get to. But it's important to me that they keep their skills up to date. Uh, so not only that it's good for them, but it's good for their careers. I mean, with being in a 50,000 person organization in America, that is part of a 190,000 person organization, I always encourage them to always keep your skills up to date because I need you to do that. And two, your next career might not be within corporate IT. You know, you might be off supporting right. a client, right? And, you know, I, I love you to death, but your career and your happiness is more important than anything to me. I, I'd rather retain you than lose you. Right. So keeping people happy, keeping them retained will feed operations. It will feed client success. 
I'm sorry. I got yeah. a, I got a little bit on the on the on the podium for that one, but yeah, you know, I'm pretty passionate about my people. I mean, it's very similar to what uh, Richard Branson. I mean, when you were talking, I'm like, that's Richard Branson always says stuff like that. He's like, I don't worry about that. I care about my people, and they'll take care of the customer. Like that, the that's kind of how he 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 answers the same question. Uh, that's how he kind of <laughs> answers it. For yourself, you've been in the game for a while and you've seen, you know, you've obviously seen technological shifts, changes and so on. I'd love to hear what you think is going to happen. And like, what are, do you have any opinions on what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years? There's a lot of people, of course, afraid of AI taking a ton of jobs. There's a lot of people worried about different technology in general. And that's always been a fear. I always think it's weird that people are afraid of this because it's, that's literally what people have been saying for, uh, you know, centuries and it's proven to be not true over and over again, <laughs> but for whatever reason, AI is different. Um, because we've, of course, we are in the tech sector. We've seen a lot of the bad news. You know, if you're watching LinkedIn or anything like that, you'll yeah. know that there's a lot of places that have, you know, rolled back headcount. You mentioned already, there's automation, there's more efforts to automate all the time. There's under cost pressure, but I just, I always feel like this is just going to, this is just a, shift a paradigm shift and you're going to see more technology proliferate into more categories like we mentioned before what do you think the tech sector is going to look like in the next five years you think it's just still it's about to explode with new jobs uh give me an idea of what you'd love to see in the next five i I think it's going to shift my dad was one of the original programmers so uh when ford motor company tapped him on the uh, shoulders in the 60s to you know he was a math teacher so he said come on we'll teach you assembler but so in the early 70s, he he took me and I would I would do punch cards for him. So, you know, when they took the punch card reader away, they all thought that everybody was going to lose their job. Technology shifts, the jobs and technology will shift. So I think five to 10 years from now, um, you know, there'll be different type of technology jobs, all supporting technology. So AI, just like uh, it's something new now, will be there'll be jobs all around supporting different aspects of AI. And I also think robots are going to play a bigger part of our future. So AIs and robots or AIs or whatever, uh, the combination of those two things in the next five to 10 years, people are going to have to support robots. People are going to have to be able to support AI, right? So there's there's different, we all adapt, right? And uh, I just think I can't wait for the future. Uh, I just can't wait to have my own robot. <laughs> it's funny you said that because my son is he's my son i have a 15 year old and he's or he's four he's turning 15 in september great age and, by uh, the way <laughs> yeah yeah he's starting to think about he's starting to think about what should i focus my energy on in the future yeah. what where where what should i do and you know of course i told him you didn't have to answer that now but one yeah. of the things i suggested to him is like listen at the end of the day software might replace more software people uh, and i told him it's like but like building physical things is never going to go out of style. Like think about, I told him like, think about all the things that you enjoy doing. And he's a, you know, he's an ice hockey player. He's, he likes surfing. He likes, uh, he actually likes robotics. He like joined like a battle bots club where like they, they fight, they build the robot art remote control things and they fight um, the, the remote robots fight, not the people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but point being is like, and I've just mentioned that, you know, I like the concept two rowers and machines. The reality is things st- like most of people's joy, despite no matter how much they're, they enjoy the digital layer, the digital layer usually supports a physical layer. Yeah, and, exactly. And so 
I was like, listen, you get into robotics engineering, mechanical engineering, like you'll always be able to work. Like there's never going to be a time and place where we're, I mean, and if it does, I'll help I'm not alive, where we're like in the matrix plugged into like little pods and all we do is see digital everything, ready player one style. I don't think that, that can't, I don't see a world where that ever exists. I see a, a place where we always love physical things. There's a reason why the travel industry keeps expo- like exploding in demand. Yeah. We're never going to be digital only. And so- if less people are learning these physical skills and you mentioned physical infrastructure often is the limiting factor, that's the place to play. I think for the next five, I think that's going to be, I think it's going to explode. And, and I think the, the, cause the demand's already there. There's just not enough. There's literally not for workers. I saw a thing on CNBC that the construction industry right now, 650,000 openings, the great, the largest number of openings that's ever exist in the United States. I, I played uh, 12 years of hockey growing up in Michigan. So I, I just love the sport. <laughs> it's a great sport. Yeah. Like I could see a place where Bauer, the skate makers are going to want to build a digital layer because there's going to be a chip small to put in the skates to tell you how much power you're generating per stride. Like, is that, that's, that's probably going to happen. I just had a shiver go up my, my arm. That would have been so nice because I coached all my son's teams growing up in Dallas. So it'd been nice to be able to help coach and, you know, get their skating right. You know, jeez. Exactly. Exactly. There's probably going to be chips in the sticks or sensors in the sticks that can relay like what's your strength, what's your bend, what's your shot speed, head speed. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. Well, I could think of so so much to help a goalie. You know, if you could put, you know, just like you do for a golf swing. I mean, I that you could really help a goalie out with positioning. Well, we started with sports. We're ending with sports because I'm telling you, I, I think as the cost, like you said, as as automation comes forward, as more like like we already said, software can already do all this. Like it can already do all this. The challenge is actually the physical layer. Like, can you get these things into the the skates and stuff? As if hockey wasn't expensive enough. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> My wife kept going. You know, we have to worry about college. <laughs> what are we talking about college for? We're talking about hockey. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Barry, it was awesome having you on the show. Thanks for sharing some of the projects work that are happening at NTT. If you liked what you heard, as you can guess, NTT is definitely hiring. Uh, they have jobs all over the world. Go check them out. Uh, if you want to be building these innovation centers, by the way, are super fascinating. I'll have to take you up on it. Um, by the way, nationals, nationals this year for USA hockey is in Dallas. So, I mean, now I got to yep. tell my son he's got to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Love to host you. Come on out. Thanks for joining us on IT Visionaries, Barry.